What's up, Gen X? Welcome back. You know, I'm going to switch things up a little bit this week and get away from all of the political stuff or the news of the day nonsense. Because quite frankly, I'm tired of it. <laughs> I'm just so exhausted. You know, last week we talked about Ukraine and Biden going over there and what that could implicate and whatever. I want to talk about some more fun stuff, you know, because life isn't just a whole bunch of politics and and national news. You know, there's a lot of just tr more trivial stuff, more fun stuff that uh, we can enjoy and, and distract ourselves with. And I want to do that today. And I want to talk about a very Gen X entertainment property, one that many of us grew up with, and that is Star Wars. Now, those of us who grew up enjoying Star Wars first saw it, as you remember, it came out in 1977. Some of us were teenagers, some of us were kids, some of us were little. But when it came out in the summer of, or May of 1977, it was very groundbreaking. You know, at the time in the 70s, there were a lot of very dark shows very drab, depressing, um, you know, Taxi Driver or um, Apocalypse Now. And it was a very dark period for film. And so having this visual effects, bright colors, flashy sci-fi space epic was very much against the grain for its time. And it was very groundbreaking in May of 1977 for a number of different reasons you know the visual effects and bringing science fiction to the mainstream uh, of course star trek was was a popular thing but it not didn't burst onto the scene quite the way that star wars did at the time and really along with jaws in in uh, 1977 kind of created the summer blockbuster and if you remember when you know, these Star Wars movies came out when we were kids, this was still back in the time when you, know, you would look up movie times in the newspapers, right? And you would see when it was playing, where it was playing, and, and trying to figure out when you could go. And, and, and it wasn't the global rollouts like there are now, right? Where movies try to capitalize on this big debut weekend, and they try to sustain it for the first couple and make as much as they can and then hold on for the next couple of weeks. But they kind of rolled out a little, a little bit more gradually. It was, it was, it was a staggered release uh, strategy to it, and it was not the same as it is now. And the movies, depending on their performance, would stay in theaters, you know, like sometimes throughout the entire summer. Right, Star Wars would come out in the middle of May, and it was still in theaters come August and in, into September. And then in advance of the the sequels coming out there would be the re-releases you know they would would capture more on the excitement because you didn't have streaming you didn't have the home video collection with the exception of, of some laser discs but it, it the only way to see it was in the theaters and so they would re-release it it would be a whole whole event yeah right and so when the movies came out people would camp out for for days or weeks I had a time because they wanted to make sure that they saw it on the the first day that it was available. It was just a you know cultural phenomenon, really you know, changed things. And it was a story that was very heavily influenced by feudal Japanese warriors. You know the the 
Jedi were based on you know Japanese Ronin. The imagery of Darth Vader was very much the aesthetic of a samurai, and the villains, you know, they were very you know Nazi era villains. I mean, they were called stormtroopers. <laughs> Right, so, so it was very much this good versus evil, this oppressive empire and these freedom fighters, and it, it just captured everybody's imagination. And of course, it really kicked off the whole merchandising craze and really changed the way that movie makers could capitalize off of the merchandising associated with their uh, films, and that is really how George Lucas made his money. You know, that's the way that he was able to fund the sequels, because he had to, you know, shop a lot of into a lot of different studios, and he really only kind of happened on Fox, and that was only very reluctant that you know, that they were willing to finance the first uh, first of those films. And of course, it kicked off a lot of copycats. You know, there was the you know, black hole and and other you know space epics that were just kind of not quite the same, Buck Rogers and and whatnot. And they also seemed to kick off the whole movie franchise. Now I know there was Godfather one and two, but you know those are based on books. But the the fact that this kicked off a trilogy, uh, one that was kind of intact, and then after the fact it was kind of uh, retro, retrofitted or rescripted that what we were watching was the middle three act of a nine-part play. And it also seemed to do the impossible where the sequel is considered by most to be the best of all of them. You know, most people consider Empire Strikes Back by far the best of the original uh, trilogy. But again, it... it it captured our imaginations. It hit us kind of right at that right time. Again, we were either little kids to teenagers. And it was it became part of our childhood. You know, we loved it. And then, of course, it very quickly became part of nerd culture. <laughs> and then it kind of dwindled very quickly into just kind of the, you know, the back of our minds as something that we... We remembered we maybe would watch on VHS and and we liked it, but you know it was over. You know, the trilogy was done. But then came kind of the ex- expanded universe, is what they started calling it. And the first I remember was the Thrawn book trilogy, right? That was written by Timothy Zahn, and it kind of gave you the first teases as to what you know could have happened to our original heroes after Return of the Jedi. And I, I read all those books. I loved them. It was, they were fun to kind of get a, a, a refresher of, of what that fun was like when you, we were a little bit younger and uh, took our imaginations in just slightly new places, added a little bit, but it was, it was a lot. You know, those books were a lot of fun. Then came some video games, some really cool video games and some you know, comic books. And, and those kind of kind of developed into, again, full-out nerd culture, right? And then that, for the, a long time, that was pretty much the Star Wars experience. Then, in around the late 90s, became the special editions, because then George Lucas figured that there was still more money to be made. He had 
and taking his uh, THX and Skywalker you know, sound and magic, whatever, to develop a, some different digital techniques to enhance the special effects. Because at the time, the special effects were very innovative, the way that they used their camera work and miniatures and, and camera speeds to make things really come to life and, and seem real were, were very innovative at the time. And, but he developed these digital uh, filmmaking uh, technologies as you know, the PCs and the internet boom became a thing in the 90s. And so he wanted to revisit his original three and to complete things in a way that he felt were either incomplete or because of limitations of budget and, and technology they just weren't able to do at the time. So the uh, ex expanded editions came out in the late 90s. And I, for, I was at college at the time, and it was, it was a thing. You know, in our college town, much like the originals, people were lined up outside the theaters for a long time because they wanted to see these re-releases. And we go into the movie theater just to see the original three that we had always seen, but with you know some enhancements. And for the most part, they were kind of fun. You know, there were some you know, some things that were sharpened up, some effects. There were some a few deleted scenes that were added in and just kind of tried to make it a little bit more of an expansive experience. Now, by, by and large, that experience was more nostalgic. You saw a lot of things and you thought, eh, you probably didn't need to change that, George. I liked it better the first time, but... It was still kind of a fun nostalgia trip you know, to have you know, in our in our college days, at least for me in, in college. But the and the, and the CGI, there's a lot of CGI technology, and they integrated in with a lot of live action. And of course, who can forget the THX ear bleeder that was in the beginning of movies, at home movies, whether it's on VHS or DVD before before a movie was starting you, without me even playing it you can close your eyes and you can hear that THX sound so that was kind of a rehash of the star of, of Star Wars but I think it kind of brought in some more capital so then George Lucas could finally make his prequels now this is something that he had wanted to make for quite some time and I remember the first little bit of hint I saw of it because you didn't have the ubiquitous use of the internet and spoilers and rumors and things like that uh, yet first I saw was a, actually a poster in a movie theater of a little boy who turned out to be Anakin Skywalker and whose shadow being cast was that of Darth Vader so just that one image was the first thing I saw of the prequels and I remember thinking oh how cool <laughs> this is what we've always wanted you wanted to go back because you know we were told that we were watching the middle three of a nine act play and we wanted to see those first three acts we wanted to see the what that original trilogy was we wanted to see the clone wars when really we wanted to see how anakin skywalker became darth vader how did he become from a man into this man machine hybrid right and it had been rumored for years that he's going to have his rumored years he fell into a volcano and whatever but we were finally going to get the storyline that we wanted 
and the prequels came out. I remember seeing the first teaser trailers and being excited that we yeah, we finally get new Star Wars. Although the re-releases were great, now we get something new. And the prequels kick off with a Phantom Menace. Had a really cool villain who is died on, or killed off unceremoniously. And I thought, okay, that was, you know, eh, that's fine. But then we started to get hints that George Lucas had his limitations as a storyteller. We started to learn the stories of the original trilogy and that, you know, a lot of the best things that came out of that were not necessarily his. You know, he had a lot of help from Ann Walsh from a film editing perspective. He had a lot of help from Irving Kirshner from directing Empire Strikes Back. And maybe now it's just a little too much of George Lucas. Maybe we're going to get the special editions but on steroids, and that's kind of what it was. And then and the original, uh, the prequel trilogy, ultimately ended up being a big disappointment. You know, the dialogue was so clumsy and awkward, and there are many elements that he had. Jar Jar Binks being the the perfect example that he was just tailoring to little little kids a little bit too much in his attempt to generate this new fan base and it just made so much of it kind of silly and it took you out of the experience and and ultimately this just over reliance on cgi and green screens and it just didn't have the look and feel of star wars now john williams score was fantastic i mean that was probably the best part of that prequel trilogy but it just was not what we were looking for when we had imagined when as little kids what the story was that that Anakin served Obi-Wan in the Clone Wars and and Darth Vader hunted down and killed all the Jedi it was this just wasn't what we had in mind and ultimately we came up quite disappointed but what followed that ended up kind of making up for it even in a small way but on Cartoon Network the Clone Wars animated series kicked off and that you were fine with because it was computer animated but it was great and it kind of told you the story between episodes 2 and 3 of the Clone Wars and expanded on what happened there and I mean it wasn't the greatest but at least was better than the prequel films and then that led into Star Wars Rebels, which was good, and, and it kind of gave you that first bridge to the original trilogy. And then we kind of felt like we were at another stopping point where we got the prequels, but we were not going to get that full nine-act play. Right? We, we saw what the origin was, and it wasn't great, and that was that. And then George Lucas sells Lucasfilm to Disney. And that changed everything. Now, going into it, he wanted that Pixar deal, right? He wanted what Disney paid to acquire Pixar and, and everything that came with it. But there were a couple of notable differences. Number one, he did not have directors like Pixar did, and he didn't have any movies in production. So he went back and he kind of diagrams out the what the sequel trilogy would look like what he kind of had in the back of his mind for quite some time and he elevated 
Kathleen Kennedy within Lucasfilm to help take that sequel trilogy to uh, fruition. So then Lucas buys, or Disney buys Lucasfilm with a promise to, you know, to use those ideas and to build off of that. And now Disney had their own motives for wanting to buy a big franchise such as Star Wars. You know, they saw what that property, this popular global property could bring in. They imagine all the movies and the, and the marketing and the, fr- and the franchising and, and all the merchandising that they could get from it. And so they quickly move because of obviously they need to recoup their investment. They quickly move and announce that they are going to make the sequel trilogy, right? We're going to find out what happens in Acts 7, 8, and 9. But just as quickly as that was announced, Lucas himself was moved into the background. His ideas were scrapped. They announced that the extended universe of books and and comic books and video games and so on that were so popular were relegated to legend status. That wasn't the official canon, and they were going to, to go into a new direction. And along with going to this new film format, they didn't want to do this once every three years format. Because if you remember, the original came out in 77, Empire Strikes Back comes out in 1980, Return of the Jedi in 93. And the sequel, the prequels were the same, 99, 2002, 2005, every three years. They wanted to move quickly with that. They wanted to have, ideally, a movie coming out once a year, possibly maybe even two a year, right? They were going to kind of dovetail the Marvel model, right? So they wanted to create this new trilogy, the sequel trilogy, and mix into that a bunch of anthology films, right? Kenobi, Boba Fett, and so on that would build off of that. Maybe a Yoda film. It could be a standalone. It could be a couple, but they wanted to sort of marvelify the Star Wars uh, universe. So then J.J. Abrams was brought in to direct the first movie of the new trilogy, and that was going to be based on new characters. And in advance of that, it was kind of this once-in-a-lifetime event because, you know, the remember, the prequel trilogy was such a disappointment that the idea of this new sequel trilogy, this sort of blank slate, was really, really exciting. And I remember at many lunches that my friends and I at work would, would spend just kind of spitballing of, what different directions they could go to, what types of stories they could tell, how would they integrate a new cast, what about new new characters, what kind of new characters, and so on. It was just, everything was just wide open to us, right? And, and that built up kind of a lot of excitement, a lot of anticipation. Then came out teaser trailers, then came out full trailers, and you started to get really excited for the new trilogy. So then The Force Awakens come out, and it's really a once-in-a-lifetime event, right? Like this pent-up anticipation that was like 30 years in the making. And I know we had the extended universe stuff. You had video games. You had the prequels and Clone Wars and all of that. But to build on to the original trilogy was this since 1983, this anticipation that was building up. So then Force Awakens comes out, and I remember being so excited, and I loved it. First time I saw it in the theaters, I was 
on board. I was ready to go. It hit all those marks. And it was this, this brand new movie with practical effects. And it had the look and feel of the original trilogy. And that was so refreshing after the d- disappointment of the prequels. And I saw it on my own with some of my buddies. I saw it with my kids. And we loved it. We were excited. And then the Blu-ray comes out. And so we're excited to see again and, and kind of get excited for the next chapter and kind of figure out what, what do we think is going to happen because there are so many open-ended questions. You know, where was where was Ray from? Who are her parents? What, who is Snoke? And so on and on and on. But then the Blu-ray comes out and you're like, huh, that's not as much fun as I remember. And in fact, this feels like an awful lot like they're just kind of retelling the original Star Wars, but with some new characters, right? You have this orphan from a desert planet who has this power they don't understand. And there's this oppressive government or organization that has this big weapon that can destroy planets and they need a trench run to blow it up. Yeah. This yeah, this feels too familiar. So then you started to get kind of disappointed, like, oh, wait a minute. this I, Was I just way too much drinking the Kool-Aid? Was I too excited? And I just didn't see all this the first time? And then you had, like, all of these open questions. It was very J.J. Abramish that felt annoying, right? Like, just building up a mystery for the sake of building up a mystery, and then what is was probably the worst thing about it all was all of the original characters that they had. Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, even Chewbacca, R2-D2, and C-3PO. They were all old and sad. <laughs> so these heroes that we had from 30 years ago, we're all excited to see them again on the big screen, get to see them together, and they're all old and sad. And it's just, mm, it's just not what what we wanted. And then what was worse was that this new character these new characters that were interesting, Ray was interesting, Finn I thought was fantastic. This he was this stormtrooper that kind of had this epiphany that you know what he was doing wasn't right and wanted to break away from it all and Poe this kind of wisecracking uh pilot interesting. But then you started seeing that you know Ray was the epitome of a Mary Sue. And you're like, oh, oh, they're not doing her right. You know, there's, where is her struggle? You know, what, what is she, what's her internal turmoil? What, why am I interested in her? What does she have to overcome? Because she was just awesome at everything. I mean, she could understand how to speak to Chewbacca with no problem. She understood how to fly the Millennium Falcon without any problem. She was awesome with the Force just because she could use a lightsaber awesomely just because they they stole the hero's journey from this central character and then that became annoying and so you're like okay well, well they've left all these open questions we'll see what happens when the next one comes out so then they bring in ryan johnson to direct the uh, last jedi and Ryan Johnson proceeded to absolutely destroy everything. 
not only that we cared about from the original trilogy, but the few interesting points from Force Awakens. It took all of those mysteries, those questions, and just destroyed them. Like, oh, you remember Snoke, you know, that, like this big bad? Yeah, he just dies. <laughs> you know, her, Ray, her parents, who are they? Yeah, they're nobody. Oh. Yeah, and Luke Skywalker, yeah, he's going to train Ray. What? And then he just tosses his lightsaber aside because you're dumb and, and the Jedi were dumb and that's that. It was just awful. And then they had this pointless side quest at this casino planet and made some war profiteering. Po- it was just so weird. It was just so weird. It just, it just killed it. A lot of people liked it because they thought it took it in some new and fresh direction. I, for one was out i'm like this this is awful you killed with us non-nerds <laughs> what we liked about it you killed it and what's worse is you're not making any new fans and so that you, that you started to see that this sequel trilogy was one of the biggest problems that it had it could have been in its haste it could have been because of kathleen kennedy but it just had no overarching uh, story. It, they were just hiring in an eclectic group of directors, and they were tasked with writing their story, directing it, and then handing the baton off to another one. You know, they scrapped George Lucas's idea, which at least would have given you an outline, start to finish, of what it should be. But they didn't do that. And that you have to put squarely at the feet that blame of Kathleen Kennedy. And then what's worse is that Kathleen Kennedy herself, because of the time, decided to go very political and very woke. You remember during the push for Force Awakens, she had the whole forces female thing. And then in Solo, you had this weird SJW droid who ended up having their intelligence uploaded into the Millennium Falcon. It was just all so weird. It all just was so not Star Wars. Then Rise of Skywalker comes out, and it honestly was down on arrival. It had no chance. It was a hot mess. I mean, then ha- having to bring back the Empire because of you know some reason. They had Meg Ray, his granddaughter, for some reason, and they had to go from one MacGuffin to the other, to another, to another. It was just... A disaster, and then the anthology movies that they were were making. They came out with Rogue One, that was you know good enough, and then they came out with Solo, which lost money, which was something that would have been unheard of for a Star Wars movie, but it lost money because the 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 Miller brothers, I believe, the other two that directed the uh, the Lego movie. They had creative differences with Kathleen Kennedy. She fired them like after principal photography had been done, brought in Opie, <laughs> brought in Ron Howard to to salvage things and a bunch of reshoots and everything was dark and blurry and it was just awful. And they started realizing that this strategy of releasing movies every year, it was just too much. It was too much Star Wars. Which, after being starved for that for 30 years, would have been unheard of. But in that very short amount of time, you had too much Star Wars. So movies were scrapped. 
and they had failed to generate a new generation of fans. But at this time, they were expanding into Disney parks. You know, I, IP started to become very integrated into Disney parks, the IP that they had purchased, and they built out the Galaxy's Edge, both in Anaheim and in Orlando. Now, the original concept was going to be set in Tatooine. But Kathleen Kennedy, with her very delicate but enormous ego, insisted that it needed to be reworked to represent the sequel trilogy. And it was very... I mean, if you've ever been there, it's just very odd. It looks awesome. It's really cool. But it's strange. It's just, it doesn't have the charm and the familiarity that, like, say, Tatooine would have been. Really, anything from the original trilogy would have been awesome. But it was just kind of, eh. You know, the new rides were popular, but it, they failed to attract the audiences that they wanted to, in no small part because it was too freaking expensive. It just was. But then what all of this was ultimately leading to was to help launch the Disney Plus platform because Disney Plus needed lots of content. They needed lots of fresh content because they couldn't just rely on a bunch of 70, 80-year-old animated movies, which were nice enough, but it just wasn't going to be a sustainable model for a corporation. So they wanted fresh content. They wanted new content. And so this streaming series it was decided that those were going to replace the movie platform. So new movies were scrapped and series were developed, starting with The Mandalorian. And this Mandalorian Season 1 was very, very good. And it was a breath of fresh air after the disaster that was the sequel trilogy, after the disaster that was Solo. Because now you had something that was new. It was new and it was cool. right? It was like this cool Western lone gunman, but in the Star Wars universe, which is something that I wanted from the very beginning. I would have loved to have had Rogue One be more of like a heist film than what we got. You know, Solo could have been like a taxi driver type uh, movie, you know, character, uh, character-driven film. But Mandalorian, the season one, it was like a Western. It was really cool. And it was, it, the best part about it, it was its own thing. I mean, yeah, there were a few Star Wars, or there was a few Stormtroopers and relics of the leftover empire but that was fine enough it was set in that universe and it was fine on board and then of course they introduced baby yoda who became wildly popular with fans and of course as disney is wont to do they overdo it again so mandalorian season two comes out they over leverage baby yoda they give him a ridiculous name and then season two, like so many others that they just destroy what was good with the first one, instead of being its own thing, instead of being this Western, this lone gunman tale, they interweave very heavily familiar characters from previous franchises. And by pr familiar characters, I mean Boba Fett, Ahsoka Tano, R2-D2, Luke Skywalker, Sabine Wren, and on and on and on. Because now all these integrations, they felt less than parts of the story and more stepping stones to their own series. And what was good about Mandalorian starts to uh, 
become an ash heap. So then the next series that came out was the Book of Boba Fett, which really was more Mandalorian season two and a half. And then the Kenobi series came out, and that was a disaster. None of it made sense. The What could have been cool with the Inquisitors was awful with motivations that didn't make sense. It, and they would just buffoonify Obi-Wan. I mean, it, just, it was just not what you imagined. Of course, like so many others, not what you imagined. But then Andor comes out, and surprisingly, that was really, really good. In fact, I would even say that Andor was the best series, best of, of any series, movie, or whatever, since the original. It was so good, because it starts to seed the beginnings of the Rebellion. You didn't have a Jedi. You didn't have a lightsaber. Like Mandalorian Season 1, it was its own thing. And it got away from a lot of the digital stuff that we became used to in Mandalorian. It was very practical. It was it was dark. It was gritty. It was really, really good. So it gives you a little bit of hope. But now the next series are Ahsoka, Bad Batch is out, and it just it seems like because of Disney and just content for content's sake and wanting to over-leverage their parks, over-leverage their streaming platform... They have effectively killed a franchise. Arguably the most iconic, the most valuable franchise of any intellectual property that's out there. So much so that Star Wars IP seems to have no value. Merchandise doesn't sell. There is no... Even ideas of a new film are still on much on the back burner. We've had so many ideas from a Taika Waititi film to many others that have been scrapped nothing is on on the the front burner it is a dead franchise walking and all of it you can point back to some shakiness from George Lucas elevating Kathleen Kennedy and over corporatizing what was one of the most beloved parts of our childhood and they are killing it and maybe even have killed it just like Marvel and so much so that that corporation is now hemorrhaging money so much so that they're probably in desperate need to sell off something whether that's Star Wars whether that's Marvel whether that's ABC ESPN who knows but you think of what could have been how much better they would have been off if they had actually given some good direction, some overarching vision when they first bought Star Wars, but instead they killed it. So that is the rise and fall, the life and death of Star Wars. And like many other things, one of what used to be good from something that we cared about as kids is now long since dead. So that was fun. So thanks for taking that trip with me back in memory lane and, and revisiting the Star Wars universe. And even though I'm not one of those dorky fanboys, it was something that I loved as a kid, wanted to get my kids into, and it just, unfortunately, didn't stick. So with that, I hope you have a good week, and we'll see you next time. Or not. Whatever. <laughs>